Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work. Good afternoon and welcome to Engage for Success, show number 283. Uh, And we're calling it this week, Who's Leading You? So we're going to be talking about the types of managers that you may encounter in your career and what you might want to do about it. I'm Jo Dodds, your host for today, and uh, it's my first one of the new year. I'm probably out of practice now. Uh, I'm an engagement consultant working within the Engage Success core team. The Engage Success movement is an inclusive movement committed to the idea that there's a better way to work by releasing more of the capability and potential of people at work. We spread the word about employee engagement and shine a light on good practice, and we're widely supported across the UK involving the public, private, and third sectors. If you go to our website, which is engagesuccess.org, you can use the link at the bottom of the page to join our newsletter list, and our social media links are there too. So today I'm excited to be speaking to my guest, Malcolm O'Brien, who's the Executive Director of People and IT for Swan Housing. And we met, I think, earlier last year at a conference, didn't we, Malcolm? I was chairing your yeah, stream, really? as they say. <laughs> yeah, thoroughly enjoyed it. It was great to meet you and also just to, to be involved in an event with the, the housing industry. I mean, it's not um, something I sort of knew loads about before I got involved in the, the conferences. I did a couple. I did your uh, Young Leaders one as well. And But actually just to hear the the real sort of sort of cut, cutting edge stuff, really, that's happening in the HR world uh, within the housing industry was just brilliant. Good, good. Well, it's a competitive market. Hmm, hmm. So tell us a bit about who you are and who Swan Housing are and what you do with them. Okay, thank you. Uh, well, I've been here now seven years at Swan. As you mentioned, I look after uh, our people agenda and our IT, which some might feel is a bit of a odd mix. But in fact, it's really all about the employee experience and uh, how IT works in an organisation plays a big part in that. So my chief exec feels those two areas should be co-joined and uh Uh, that's what I do here. I've done it elsewhere. I mean, I'm an HR professional by trade, but I've done most of the corporate services, uh, facilities, health and safety, IT, comms. Um, I sort of thoroughly enjoy that that sort of broad approach to uh, the people agenda. Um, SWAN itself is now in its 25th anniversary this year. Um, We're a housing association, like you mentioned, so we uh, produce social housing. Um, However, we do a bit more than that. We've got a strong commercial arm as well called New Build, um, and they build properties either for us to rent back or for outright sale. And then any money we make, we reinvest back into uh, our social purpose because um, that's the only way you can actually build homes in London and South East these days, which is where we operate, by generating your own income to to reinvest. Uh, So that's what we do. We have about 500 people across 15 sites in Essex and East London. And we've got a real wide range of activity, care to construction, uh, foyers to factory or housing to HR. Um, our employee engagement uh, story is quite interesting in that we are now uh, Times Top 122nd Best Not-for-Profit Company to Work For and IIP Gold. Um, but that hasn't always been true. We've done a lot of work around that. I'm supported by a brilliant people and a IT team, um, and they support me in the exec to sort of create a place where we want everyone to feel at home. And that's really our strap line about the environment we're trying to encourage uh, at SWAN. So that's us. Mm-hmm. 
Excellent. I, I remember from when we were at the, the conference and you were speaking, what, what you were saying about the connection between the people and IT. You've done a lot in terms of moving the digital agenda forward and uh, if I remember around things like agile working and that sort of thing within your organisation. So it was music to my ears with my interest and background, but also um, I can see exactly that, you know, that link between the people and the IT side. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, um, we really aren't going fast enough for our employees. It's interesting that whilst uh, we think we're doing or heading in the right direction, every time we ask them, they just say, do it more and do it faster. So the real push is from the employees around agile working. And um, I think part of that is being treated like adults, which sort of does fit neatly in with a, a general employee engagement trend. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So today we're going to be talking about uh, leading you, so the, the types of managers that uh, we might come across in our career. Why did you want to talk about this topic today, Malcolm? Uh, well, I felt New Year, New You. There's a lot of, uh, although it's uh, Blue Monday when most New Year's resolutions fall away, um, I just felt <laughs> that maybe it's the time for people to reflect on who's leading them. Obviously, managers play an enormous part in employee engagement and how you feel about that. But I just wondered if um, it would be helpful to sort of set out some of the component parts of the different types of managers you might come across. Um, I've sort of categorised them in sort of three main areas and then five types, and then also what you might want to do about it. So less so about, you know, curing them, because some of these people aren't curable as managers, or some are so good that they shouldn't be cured, they should be um, uh, followed. But also there are some things you might want to think about doing. So uh, I just thought it was a bit of empowerment and uh, perhaps a, a, a bit of careers advice if you needed it. Yeah, and, and quite a different um, approach for one of our shows. So I was really pleased to, to have, it, have it suggested because uh, we, we tend to uh, think less about managers as people working for them and tend to speak more about them as you know, people that we're trying to encourage to engage people better. And I was saying to you when we were preparing that uh, I think sometimes we end up doing a bit of um, leader or manager bashing because we sort of put the whole sort of um, issue around engagement at their door. And actually, one of the things we do talk about within the movement and within the core team quite often is about how do we sort of galvanize our employees into helping to engage within organizations as a whole. So rather than just saying it's about the leaders doing it, how do we get, you know, employees interested and, and involved with that as well, which, you know, clearly is a bit of an employee voice thing uh, anyway. And I think, you know, this is a great topic to be discussing because we're saying, you know, exactly that. We'll start from our position as an employee of somebody, a leader or a manager of some description, and have that discussion. So so great to uh, to be Breaking new ground into the new year. So, so let's get going then. Let's talk about these greetings. <laughs> yeah, so um, if you're happy, I, I kind of start at the bottom and work up to uh, the top level. So the top level I would describe as those iconic managers, and we'll come back to them um, at the end because they're the real aspirational leaders, the ones that uh, perhaps we read about on LinkedIn or we see in these uh, uh, employee engagement podcasts that are are truly exceptional. Um, however, let's start at the other end because I think the, uh, uh, the rarity at that, that level uh, is probably well known. I think, I apologize in advance for the language, the, the bottom category or the, the, probably the category that um, is most toxic would be the 
manager at the bottom end of the rung. And these are people who, um, when you're in your uh, perhaps least professional moment, you might describe them as just someone who's being a bit of a dick. Um, and <laughs> I know that's not particularly HR or particularly uh, clever language, but I think it quite quickly sums them up. And when we talked about this as a people team, people were, yeah, yeah, what is that about that person or those types of people? Um, but actually what we then started to look at is what is it about them and look at the three main areas that they might uh, display those traits in. So you've got their general traits. So these are people who are uh, publicly rude uh, to uh, people at the same level as them or below. Not above, they're very quick to or very easily uh, able to manage up, um, but they are rude to people both privately and publicly. Um, they're also themselves, ironically, easily offended. You know, these are people that quite happy to dish it out, but take umbrage at the, the slightest inference that perhaps you're giving them any kind of feedback. Um, they're also the sort of people that would convert what you would describe as uh, appropriate drive and challenge into um, unnecessarily unreasonable demands. You know, they're likely to set you up to fail even. Um, and they'll set traps for people as well. They're kind of, you know, the worst type of manager, take all the credit, uh, uh, give all the blame um, and actually often display a lot of macho traits around how they would uh, deliver a lot of their messaging. The other uh, category that we talk about is users technology um, and that's, that's important to me because obviously I look after IT but I think it's becoming increasingly visible in the employee-employer dynamic and therefore the employee-manager dynamic and these are the sorts of people that would probably um, use the device or the technology or the media channel really to <laughs> evidence your incompetency and track the tasks they've given to you. They're not really using it for anything else. They're not using it because it's empowering or efficient. They're using it really to, to capture that. What you'll also find, and you may look back on your emails uh, if you've got somebody who's starting to fit into this, that um, they can use very clipped tones. Um, they may even just avoid replying or do one-word answers, especially if it's a risk to them. They just won't engage in it. Now, you won't have a choice on that. You'll have to engage. But because they're further up the uh, hierarchy, they may just not reply at all. So don't expect please and thank yous. Don't expect, hi, Joe, how are you? It will be very, very uh, uh, short and sharp. And then in regards to how they're connected with people, so that's sort of human element to them. So actually depersonalizing them as a manager, but as a human. Um, these are sort of people that don't really know themselves. They don't know their team. They don't really understand people in general. Um, and worse than that is they don't see any reason to adapt that approach. In some cases, because to date they've been successful to get promotion to where they are, and therefore they don't see any benefit. And why would they want to adapt or, or, or change that? Um, and I think you know those three areas, the traits they have, the, tech, the way they use technology, and how connected they are to their people, I'm kind of hoping that you don't have those sort of people uh, in your business. But if you do, um, there's something you should do about that. And that's the final part, really, of <laughs> what we're talking about, is what you should do about it. And uh, it's very simple. Uh, leave the organization. Cut that person out of your life right now. Uh, they are toxic. They are bad for your confidence. They will demoralize you. They may make you ill. Um, so I would say get away from them as quickly as you possibly can. Now... In the ideal world, HR and their manager will spot um, what they really like and cure you uh, of that problem, but they might not. Um, what I would say, if they're not found out um, and therefore nobody actually deals with them, you, you also have to think about the organisation that's employing them, who's also paying you, 
is tolerating that behaviour because it's very unlikely it's invisible. Now, although people say, well, you know, he or she's good at their job, but, you know, they, they ruffle a few feathers, um, that was okay in the 80s or 70s. It's not okay anymore. Um, so if your organisation mm. is paying that person a salary, then maybe it's not the right organisation for you. So my advice is if you tick the boxes in that, that area, find a new job. Um, find somewhere else to work. If you can, just get away from that manager. If the organisation is generally good and they're an anomaly, move somewhere else. But you've got to get that person out of your life. It will be unhealthy mm. for you. Mm-hmm. It's interesting, as you say, that sort of users of technology, given obviously you are responsible for IT and um, and I, you know, love technology and we know how good technology can be in terms of communication and collaboration and all those other things. But as you've identified, it's it's so easy to hide behind it as well. Yes, it is. Yeah, I, I, unfortunately, that's uh, in a way a really good. Uh, tool for these sorts of managers that has evolved over time and people talk about cyber bullying or about bullying online these people always bullied they just got another tool to do it with um so you know mm. back to the silent mm. treatment they just don't reply to emails um so actually they just found a different way to, to be abusive they've just got technology to help them do it um but you know mm. i would like to mm. think that in the mm. modern world and certainly people who are living to uh, listening to these sorts of podcasts um these are a minority, you know, they're out of date, um, they're not the right sort of people and I think uh, we should focus little on them because um, they'll be gone soon like dinosaurs, um, we don't have to worry about that, they will become extinct <laughs> in the workplace. Extinct, so shall I, extinct, absolutely, absolutely. Shall I, I'll crack on the next two categories because I think it starts to um, yes, warm, warm up a little bit. Um, so what you've got... I was going to say, make, us, is, make um, ourselves feel better that there are, you know, better managers out there. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So uh, the next category is probably what somebody would describe as they're nice, but they're an incompetent nice guy. So these people might have been over-promoted. Um, they often try to please, but... In many cases, they're saying yes to everybody. That's why they're popular. But they're not able to deliver for everybody. So in the end, it becomes a bit of a problem. Um, they're a talker rather than a doer. Um, and actually, they tend to be self-promoting in that they kind of, you know, verbalise a lot of what they're doing. So they, they can obviously be, you know, time inefficient. Um, but actually, the problem with them, because they're talking and trying to be nice and saying yes to everybody, they can often miss the, the uh, cliff that you, your team and your project is about to drive off. Um, because they're just not really up to it. Um, but they're nice. Um, and they will use IT in a way that um, they enjoy. So it's quite a distraction. So they will probably send you lots of coloured charts because it's, it's you know, fancy, but doesn't really add any efficiency or, or track action. So it's more a kind of a, a, a symbol of activity rather than doing anything else. They're also, funny enough, the most likely person to have an out-of-date office message or phone voicemail um, because they're just not that efficient. Um, when it comes to being connected to their team, they'll try and connect with as many people as possible and accommodate everybody's views. The problem, of course, with that is that um, it's really about trying to keep everybody happy and manage everyone's feelings. But in the end, they're probably overthinking that and don't please anybody in the long run. Um, so, you know, again, nice people, but perhaps not the right people to be leading you. So my advice with those is that actually a lot of these people tend to be passive maybe lazy, but let's say, say passive, um, or not competent to take it on. This is an opportunity for you to build your own visibility. This is an opportunity for you to take on some responsibility for actions that, especially those you think will adversely impact on you. So even if you, you know, 
know that your boss is responsible for them. If they're going to land on you for blame, take charge of them. Actually take ownership. It will raise your, your profile. I hate the phrase raising your brand, but actually in an organization, you know, you need to be doing that. Um, and actually what's interesting about these people, often an offer of help to them um, is welcome. So it could be that if you can grapple with some of that, you know, the idiosyncrasies of indecisiveness, you could actually, you know, get a lot more development out of it by volunteering. The downside of volunteering is nobody's going to pay you for volunteering, but it's deferred gratification. You get it right, you will get that reward later on. So I would say for that one, mm. step up and take it on. The next type I'd say yeah. is probably categorised yeah. as a bit of a bit of a cold fish. Um, so these are the people who are very task focused, and there's not a lot else. So they'll deliver, but you're not going to get any sort of friendly banter. You're not going to get any compassion. They don't really understand what the problem is. I don't know why that that person's upset. They just don't get it. Um, they don't do a lot of talking, but they, they do get stuff done. So they're seen as a bit kind of remote, um, and that's why I say a bit of a cold fish. They like technology because it's efficient and it helps them manage, but they may miss the fact it's the most effective channel. Um, again, don't expect too many highs, how are you's, or long replies. It tends to be used in an efficient manner. Um, they won't spot their impact on other people. So that connectivity with their team, they just don't spot that they might have ruffled a feather, they might have upset somebody, um, but not because they just don't care. It's just they, they wouldn't analyse it in that way. It's not something that they would see. Um, they just don't get mm. why other people feel differently about something. Um, and from your point of view, if that's who you're being led by, I think that you, if you can, you can accept that coolness as not being personal. Don't imagine it's because they don't like you. They're just cool with people. Um, not cool as in yeah. American cool, cool as in, uh, you know, yeah. cold. Um, <laughs> so, I, you know, where you can, you might be able to insert some out-of-work topics into conversation and actually thaw them a little bit. You know, maybe nobody's ever tried that. They've just given up at the first hurdle and said, you know what, they're just too much like hard work. Leave them. Just, just ask them about the project. But actually, you know, sometimes these people can soften a little bit and you see a different side to them. You have to be careful it doesn't come across as frivolous. But you give a little, you might get a little back. Um, and that actually might help that relationship somewhat. The next one, just mm -hmm. below the iconic, is someone I'm describing as a great boss. Now, this is odd because, of course, you sort of think, well, why not? But, you know, in this age of always striving for the perfect body and the perfect Instagram feed, a great boss sometimes isn't enough for people. But I would say if you've got somebody who's not perfect but probably knows it and is prepared to listen and learn, they're a great boss. They're also somebody who includes their uh, colleagues and their direct reports, and they value your input. Again, a trait of a, a really good boss. And also, what they're doing is they know where their skills gaps are a bit lacking, and they try and plug them with learning. So they go on courses, they look at technology to help plug that, and they try and find ways to do it. Now, those people will often adopt technology and choose to add it if it adds sort of value to the interaction. Um, they can get it wrong. Um, you know, what you will find with the connectivity is, chances are if they've got that messaging wrong or they've got the delivery wrong, it's not about um, them trying to be clever. It's not because they're cold. You know what? They're human. It was an honourable mistake. And I think you need to cut them some slack. They're a good boss. Um, but they're not always going to be perfect. And I think that, that uh, is something that you should reflect on. So if you've got somebody who is a pretty good boss, okay, you don't want to call them great, but they're a pretty good boss, Look at the strengths and weaknesses and learn from both parts. So for your career development, if they're really good at something, follow that. 
if they're not really good at something, look at what they do to compensate for it or think about what you might do to compensate for it. So you can still learn from, from both parts. But what I would say most of all, and this probably isn't particularly uh, helpful, just get over it. You know, not everyone's going to be working for a Branson or, or a kind of, you know, an iconic boss. Some of these people are really good. They're really doing their best to deliver. They occasionally drop the ball. They occasionally get it wrong. They occasionally say something clumsy. But you know what? You're lucky. You've got a really, really good boss, and you should enjoy that. And actually, actually, once you get that mindset, you're looking at the positive. That's a pretty good place to be. And I would say probably only once or twice in your career will you do better than having a great boss, a real iconic boss. Um, and just briefly then, those iconic bosses are those people who are, you know, open, trusting, collaborative, but decisive, high energy, but calm in a crisis. They're inspirational, but modest. You know, all those really massively um, fantastic traits we talk about people, they're thin on the ground as well. Mm. Um, these people will adopt technology if it's both efficient and effective, but they'll also, interestingly enough, consciously avoid technology if it's not helpful. So if they don't think it's going to add anything, they'll go back to face-to-face -to -face paper, whatever it might be, because they, they, they are able to, they're so attuned to be able to do that. Um, and they are in tune with themselves and those around them. And what they're really good at is tapping into the best of other people's traits intuitively. You know, you almost can't see them doing it. And perhaps sometimes they don't even know they're doing it. Um, what I would say is if you've got one of those, keep as close to them as possible. These are a rare breed and you should adopt as much of their skill set as you can. But don't be surprised if you don't master it at all uh, first off. You know, they will probably, if they're a really iconic manager, they'll also help you become a great manager. So stick with them mm. um, and learn all you can and ask them for help. They're likely to do that. Um, so they're my uh, five areas. Um, they're the sorts of people I think you might be encountering as you go through Blue Monday and think about how uh, you might want to uh, shape your, your career for the next year or two. And I think you need to be honest about what your manager brings and, and therefore... Uh, Embrace the bits you can, um, but recognise the bits that don't work for you. Take charge. Yeah, yeah. And as you say, I mean, it's interesting talking about the um, iconic leader and how you know few and far between they are. I guess mm. you know, as with most things in in the world, uh, you know, most of the people we interact with have their you know good bits and their and their not so good bits, and and it's it's focusing on on as you say those good bits and what you can do to learn from that, but also how you can sort of minimise the impact of when it doesn't quite work so well for you that, um, that's, that's really key. Yeah, I think if, if your leader has got, your manager has got um, honest intentions but gets it wrong occasionally, well, mm. they'll learn from it, you'll learn from it. Mm -hmm. It's interesting, when we were preparing, I was saying that I did a session with um, the Gallup Strengths Finder, or Clifton Strengths Finder as it's called now, with a, a management team, a uh, week or so ago and um, how there was such an array of strengths within a team of 15 um, that you know everyone is always going to be different and people do have all those you know different strengths and, and, and weaknesses and uh, even in a in a quite a, a focused team where you think that people will likely be quite similar they were actually quite different um, yeah. and that you know I thought it was quite an interesting um, uh, sort of vignette of, of, of how we are all different and, and it's about using the best bits of everybody in any given sort of situation and as you say trying to sort of compensate for good <laughs> or yeah, leave, I, I think it's really bad <laughs> yeah I think, I think you're absolutely right I think that 
you know, ultimately, my my scale is, is, is apart from being very uh, rudimentary, it also does say, you know, I, I think you're right. Lots of different types of managerial skills uh, I've experienced over my career have taught me things, good, bad, and indifferent, but you take a bit from them. You know, if, if genuinely you've got mm. the bottom end of the scale I've described, either the incompetent nice guy, cold fish, or worse than that, the toxic manager, then, you know, you can learn things, but if it's not working for you, you know, what did people say? You know, you're not a tree, you can move. And I think people have to mm. take responsibility for that rather than harumphing about their manager. But at the same time, if it's in your uh, part of your career where um, you think it's an opportunity to learn other experiences, your manager's part of that dynamic. You will learn things from customers, from colleagues, from peers, from maybe a mentor or another side of the business. Your manager plays a key part in that, but they haven't got to teach you everything. That's not their job. Um, but if they can, brilliant. Get what you can from them. Um, but be realistic. Mm. I think it's also that bit about um, understanding how you want people to manage you and lead you as well, isn't it? I think, again, we probably t- touched on early in my career, I was in retail and my manager was very competitive and he assumed I was too. And at the time, I didn't understand that I wasn't. And actually, recognition was my thing. It's only now I've got a daughter who's a bit of a mini me that I've realized that that's what has always motivated me because that, that's what motivates her. And he didn't know that and neither did I. And I, I sort of think we, yeah. got, we got on really well, but I, I, you know, I sort of have often wondered how much better our working relationship could have been had we both understood that. I, I agree. I think you're right. Knowing yourself is something that, um, I mean, maybe the you know millennials do seem to be much more introspective in sort of doing that self-analysis. And mm. I, I, I admire that in them. And maybe mm. they will have a greater awareness of what it is that really helps them engage. And I think certainly like you, I would say I came to that later in my career and understanding what type of leadership would get the best out of me. Um, the trait, of course, is not mm. to assume that applies to people I line manage. I just, you know, there was a time where I thought, well, I'm loving this and I'm happy with, about it. Why aren't my people? And actually, it didn't work for all of them. Um, so, yeah, but you're absolutely right. Knowing yourself is a really, really strong piece of advice around um, what do you do about who's leading you and, and where you might want to go. Mm, mm, absolutely. And what about just, we were just in the last couple of minutes of the show, but what about you as a as a director of people um in a, an organization how how are you positioning this work for yourself uh, you know in view of the fact that you're responsible for hr within a 500 people organization you presumably have some leaders in these different categories <laughs> no no we only have people in the top two categories um i have no idea what you're talking about uh no, i mean you, you do and actually um you know the, 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 that is also something that we're looking at in regard to recruitment and you know HR is its own worst enemy around um, trying to make all managers the same and trying to get them all to fit into competencies and you know that's also a dangerous trait but certainly uh, our experience especially with such a diverse uh, work that we do that actually over recruiting on technical expertise can actually lead you to miss some of those other skills that will make a bigger difference to project success. Now, you still need to understand how to, um, from a, a, a care CQC basis or a construction basis or a uh, health and safety, understand technically what to do. But if you can't convey that, 
it doesn't really matter how good a manager you are. You know, that, that, again, the example of Einstein might have been great at maths, but would he have been a great maths teacher? I don't know. But some of, some of yeah. the, the, the things we need to do is make sure that when we get people joining Swan and New Living, that they understand that if they're really going to make the biggest difference, it's how they deploy those skills. And that for us is, is going to be one of the key things about getting people in through the business who are all the same and fit our culture and are a good fit. But actually... If they've got the technical skills, how do we enable them to really make a big difference to their people? And like you said earlier, that self-awareness is, is really important and playing to people's strengths. Um, mm-hmm. And I think, you know, that, that's something to do. The rest of the stuff we can, we, can, we can deal with around coaching and mentoring and encouraging people to have those conversations. But um, a sense of desire to learn would, uh, would, get you, would get you close to getting into the great boss just on the basis of you're trying to improve yourself. That's a good trait to start with. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, thank you for, so much for this, this session. Um, it, it's reminded me that we had a, a blog that we put up on our website um, a few months ago, which is entitled Despicable Me. Has your inner supervillain hijacked your management style? So there's actually a fun quiz on our site which uh, enables you to, to work out if you're a supervillain or a superhero in the engagement Ooh. space. So perhaps uh, go and uh, Google that on the site and have a look at that. So thanks, Malcolm. Um, great to have you with me today. Thank you, Joe. So just to let you know, I've got another Malcolm next week, Malcolm McPhail, who's Group CEO of Life Leisure and Danny Drayson, Fitness Manager of Life Leisure. And they're going to be talking about the benefits of focusing on preferred behaviours as a staff development tool. So I'll be back next week. Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work.